You're looking well, good, I'm, man. You're looking good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah so. well, I'm glad. Like I said, I feel you know, normal. Got so. a, got a picture on my wall of you and blew it up. And <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Have you ever considered cancer funny? Or how do you process the unthinkable, your own experience of suffering? Hello, this is Todd Littleton with Pathological, the podcast for the pastor theologian. You can find us at toddlittleton.net, pathological.net, and pathological.com. With a podcast where we explore the intersection of life and faith, where we put into practice what I remember learning or and being encouraged to do in seminary, and that is to think theologically. That is to take the experiences and the encounters we have in life and uh, look at them through the grid of a faith relationship with God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And so we interview uh, pastors, theologians, academics, in hopes of providing a resource for pastors who are interested in those intersections, who may uh, have grown a bit weary of the purely pragmatic practice of pastoring in the last several decades. It's not to say that it hadn't happened before, but it seems to be uh, acutely an issue today. So uh, if you uh, find the podcast helpful, I want to encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher, or favorite podcatcher. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, after you've listened to this podcast, head over to iTunes and log in and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, those aren't for my ego, but they just help us get found as a resource for others who might be looking for some help in uh, working toward or becoming or uh, extending their own under self-understanding as a pastor theologian. Today on the podcast, I have another conversation with my man crush. Yep, that's right. A little awkward, I'm sure, for you to hear that. But uh, Jason Michelli is on, and we talk about his upcoming book. Now, let me tell you, I think you should go pre-order the book, Cancer is Funny. Now, it, you can't leave a review yet, but when that book drops on December the 1st, you could head over and take my word for it before reading it, and you could leave it a five-star rating. Tell folks it is, it, it is uh, irreverently reverent. It is uh, gutty and gritty, and it is a personal accounting of an experience that none of us would want to have, but this was penned through a theological lens. So we talk about uh, the podcast. At the end of it, we get cut off just a little bit, but we're really just kind of covering some details. So I'll fill in the gaps on the other side. So uh, as always, I want to thank you for listening, and remember to share the podcast. And now here's my conversation with Jason Michelli. So here's how I want to start. It's, it's, okay. I'm going to catch you off guard, maybe, although I, you're usually too sharp to be caught off guard. So, um, <laughs> so 
I want to access a conversation about your book based on a sermon that you preached. Okay. Yesterday. I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this, um, you know, because I've read the book and, and I read some of these in their seminal, uh, you know, form and on, on the blog. And, and um, I've been thinking about how can I do something kind of original? And I thought, well, you, you've, you, this is utterly fascinating sermon. I mean, just, I just, I'm sitting here just listening to these emails and I'm, I'm picturing Shirley and I'm, this is just crazy. And then you get to the end and, and you, you just, you nail it. Um, you, you, um, and an argument for the existence of God. And I just want to say that I think that maybe when someone finishes cancer is funny, they might actually have a good argument for the existence of God. Mm. Um, because if, if we are the, the location and the place where, you know, that good news gets like, you know, acted out in, in real time, then some of our theologizing and some of our, you know, postu- posturing and such actually doesn't seem to matter as much as, as like how that life is lived and, and the difference that, you know, maybe that good news makes no matter mm-hmm. what we experience. So uh, how, how do you respond to that? Or how might you uh, respond to that? Um, no, I, I, I've always believed, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I've read so much Harawas, but I mean, I've always believed that the truthfulness of our convictions is only demonstrated through the witness of our lives and the life of the community. Um, and, and, and I guess that's a very Methodist response. I mean, that I think what I how I preface that sermon is is that, you know, for Methodists in particular, salvation and sanctification are almost mutually interchangeable words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the reason I chose to write about my experience with cancer in a very public way uh, was because. You know, now all of a sudden, like this shit got real, and I wanted to see if what I believed, like, you know, does this language lift any luggage? Right. And will and will it do its work um, when I need it to? Yeah. Um, and I wanted to show other people how that language can work because, I mean, as you pointed out with your daughter, you know, too often the language we're given to talk about suffering isn't isn't helpful and is frequently unchristian yeah and and you actually um in one of the chapters first or second i think you um addressed a little bit of how we traditionally think about suffering and you you flipped did i do i remember right you, you, english major i started out as an english major okay. and then it became a yeah religion mm-hmm. major well that shows up Good, good writing, thoughtful, vivid. Um, you know, w- when you flipped it, you, you, we suffer with Christ, mm-hmm. and and so in that you illustrate, you know, how maybe to think about those experiences from a different uh, perspective seems to be a bit um, um, a bit different. Maybe it's like peering in a different window. Um, that mm-hmm. normally we filter things through whatever glass 
might have a smudge here, might have a crack there, but but sometimes we we go look in the house from a different window. And it seemed to me that some of the thing that will be great about people reading the book is they'll find some familiar uh, resonances in the some of the stories you reference from the scriptures, and you've a- invited them to look in a different window. Mm. Um, because I think different perspective, while I think it's appropriate, it, it, it still leaves me in the same position. And until I move around to another side of the house, um, uh, a leftward glance or rightward glance is also a perspective in the same window. Mm-hmm. But I can't see everything if I don't move around to another window in the house. That sounds like an N.T. Wright analogy. <laughs> oh. Um, but Chalk I, oh, another yeah. one up for Man Crush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 you know, so I mean, one vantage point looking out the Christian window, right, is that suffering is what Jesus bears as a consequence of our sinfulness and our atonement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and too often, I think that's the only vantage point at which we look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, and I think then when you're when you're in the position of suffering, that's, that's not really a whole lot of solace. Um, cause it's just another way of saying that you're a sinner, um, which may be true, but my experience of people is that most of them aren't sufficient sinners to warrant some of the terrible mm. stuff that comes their way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but like another authentically Christian, ancient Orthodox view out that same window is that, you know, Jesus suffers because he becomes fully human. Mm. Um, you know, and so it's rather than worry about the sin and cross thing all the time. Um, you know, so if Jesus is the one true, fully authentically human, then how Jesus goes through suffering because suffering comes to any mortal, you know, how he handles suffering is, you know, a template for how we can think about our own. Um, and that's so that I mean, immediately that became something that occurred to me and and really importantly, too, I mean, it it gave me something to do when I couldn't do anything else. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, when when you draw out that that emphasis that I think. At least in my experience growing up, God lost, that is the humanity of Jesus in favor mm-hmm. of, you know, always emphasizing the powerful deity of Jesus. Uh, uh, you you make that come alive in the book. I mean, in the sense of there is a real, a real a gritty humanness to that experience where, um, I mean, I, I remember you uh, recently um, telling the story of the funeral you did for the young boy, 12, I think mm-hmm. he was. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and I, and most of the time in those circumstances, you know, everybody rushes into, you know, anesthetize the situation with, um, a, a particular, um, oft repeated line mm-hmm. and, 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 somehow strips away the, the, the deep grief and pain that comes with that because we are afraid of theirs for us. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yet in the way you wrote the book and its style and, and the way you tell your own story, there is a, a magnification of our humanity, our humanness. So it's not like, you know, readers better be ready for that particular kind of grit because 
um, I think it does point us to um, Jesus's humanity in in ways that I think is often lost on us because of the way we. Uh, I think uh, I think in the line of my favorite podcast because we use stained glass language. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I think, I mean, the stained glass language we use too often, um, it obscures, you know, the scriptural witness that death is the enemy of God. Mm. You know, and and I think part of that is that like we so often speak of sin as this. Um, you know, criteria by which God is, is judging us. Mm-hmm. And when we lose, you know, we lose Paul's wisdom that sin is an agent that is in active opposition to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, the most appropriate posture to death and suffering is rage and anger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think mockery and humor are, are ways that we can rage against it. Um, that the emperor has no clothes. Right. Um, and it, yeah. So, so, so is, is it just, does your sarcasm and wit come naturally or have you honed that? (laughs) I mean, I mean, because you just, you just kind of point out the value of, of humor as a means to expose and, you know, your whole, the whole title, um, cancer is funny you know it is actually a bit of that yes yeah i mean so it it comes naturally to me yeah everyone in my family we're all sarcastic and some of us are funny um (laughs) it also functions it also functions for all of us as a defense mechanism i know i mean that's also and i bring that up i think in the introduction yes you do uh, uh so i mean it's a way it has been a way of me keeping vulnerability in real relationships at arm's length distance, including my relationship with God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's part of that. Um, but I also think, I think, so for me, like it functions two ways. So like theologically, I believe, you know, we as human creatures, when we met God in the world, in the flesh, we killed him, hmm. you know? So like, we've done the absolute freaking worst thing we could possibly do. Mm. Um, and God responds to it with Easter. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, which is a joke in itself, but so for me, like theologically, it's like, well, we've already done the worst possible thing that we can do. Right. So why do we have to like keep up pretenses about who we are? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so for me, part of, of being vulgar, being revealing, um, being as honest as I am aware of how to be is just a way of acknowledging, you know, that I'm a sinner saved by grace. Um, so theologically it functions that way for me. And then I, th- I think pastor, I, I don't know who said it, some comedian or philosopher, I don't know, but you know, the, the shortest distance between two people is laughter. Yes. Um, and so it, did I, did I do? And, and then yeah, now I'm just rambling, but uh, <laughs> I mean, but the whole premise of my book um, and I didn't choose the title and the titles caused me no end of grief, but um, you know, 
framing it is that everyone assumes that an experience of suffering brings you closer to God. Everyone assumes that, even people who don't believe, like doctors, nurses, they all assume that like this is enlightening you in some way. Um, But if you believe, as Christians should, that God is fundamentally joy, then it follows that this experience of suffering shouldn't leave you anguished. But if you really are closer to God, then you should be filled with with joy. Um, you know, and just, I mean, and laughter is just part of that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I was, I was going to ask about the title. So you, you slipped it. I was actually going to say, man, <laughs> if you chose that title, did you pull the C, yeah, C card? You know, did you pull the cancer card on that one? So I, I guess someone else chose that for you. I, I think it works. I, I can see where you would get like no end of grief about it. But, you know, if, if people pay attention to what you've already said, plus reading the chapter that kind of explains what you're doing there, um, a, a funny way of exposing us to our need of others. Um, you know, and when you talk about a while ago about, you know, sometimes humor is, is in sarcasm, keep people at a distance. You actually are pretty clear in the book that the one thing that, you know, became fairly, um, clear in the midst of however you write humorously about the events are to open us up to our recognition. We do need others. We can't really make it by always keeping people at arm's distance. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, so some people who have not read the book had their feelings hurt and I I understand it very appropriately, you know, that, that, you know, that if this is a form of suffering that touches you personally, right. It's not funny. Um, but I don't, I'm not trying to suggest that it's funny in that way. No. Um, and then there's a kind of an unsaid form of humor in it. I think that, you know, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a layer that, you know, if you look to take your analogy, I mean, if you're looking out a different vantage point in the window and you see something like cancer in the world, you know, it, cancer is funny in the sense that it makes belief in God seem absurd. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Frequ- yeah. Frequently. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's a joke on Christians, um, wow. potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I I I have no no problem. Um, I'm seeing that. So, you know, by by your admission, if there has been uh, a period or a tendency to keep people at, at a distance. For whatever you know, whatever reason, you you bridge that with such honesty. So, so like, how do you, how do you do that? How do you help someone who maybe have been in that same place? I mean, obviously, we don't you know invite them into the cancer experience, but uh, obviously, you pastor you you have for some time now, um, and uh, along the way, you recognize the the value of honesty, and here you open up in some you know really some gut-wrenching ways um and you you had to work at that a little bit yeah yeah i I, well i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm a contrarian by nature and i I probably have a self-destructive tendency um somewhere inside me too um so so there's been a cost definitely that comes with speaking too frankly sometimes Mm. um you often make that illusion 
You often yeah. make that illusion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bishops yeah. and all, you know. Yeah, I, I have gotten in trouble a number of times. Uh, people have passed around petitions. Oh, of, great, great, great. Um, but, but so whatever negative has come with it, it's always been worth the cost, I think. Mm. Um, because there, I mean, to get, I mean, there are a whole lot of people, particularly between my generation and yours, I think that write off church because of the inauthenticity with which we communicate our faith. Um, and so to, to be as human as I can, um, I think is a healthy form of witness. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I do think that that is uh, been a liability um, <clears throat> to try to advocate for any kind of role or positioning the church might have in life, the good news and what it might mean have been, I think, scandalized by a lack of authenticity and have, have well, have exposed, exposed us in some, you know, not yeah, so good ways. And, and I think that doesn't have to be, I mean, it's not like I stand in the pulpit and talk about my nuts every Sunday, <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's a part. I mean, part of that I think is just um, a lot of these stories are weird. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt, they absolutely and are. Just yes. like, and just and you know, I mean, maybe your congregation is inoculated against it, but but you know, to just call attention to like, well, this is like really weird. Yeah. Um, why? And I mean, so the, there's a way of being authentic that isn't just you know being, you know, lurid. Sure. All, um, but to just call attention to the absurd, to be truthfully curious about how ridiculous following Jesus can seem, yeah. um, how some of these stories don't make sense, um, and or, or and just you know how messed up it is that we've done these things with these stories too. Like, how have we taken this really awesome freaking story and and made it so incredibly boring? Hmm. Um, so, so I think that, yeah, there's ways to be human without being R rated all the time. Sure. Yeah. I wasn't implying that you were R rated all the time. Just that, uh, <laughs> Somehow. I, I just think that, I just think that there is a, a level, um, of honesty that, um, it's an almost like not even something we strive for. It's, it's, it's something that we seem to find the need to avoid. Um, yeah, and I don't think it's just church. I think I mean that's the thing. Oh I think, no, I think it's human beings. I think yeah, I think we beat up on church people too much about being inauthentic. When I think there's the same artificial veneer all over social media. Oh my goodness, um, that's all it know, is. And our Instagrammed lives and, mm-hmm. and all you know. And, and so I think you know the number of people I know who don't go to church but who crave the vulnerability of Louis C.K.'s stand up. Right. You know, shows me that, you know, they're hungering for something like church. Yeah. In its best form. Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I agree um, all the way down. And, um, yeah, I, I don't need to add too much to that. Um, <laughs> you know, um, when I uh, was thinking about um, how... I know you did some rereading of Bart for that year. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, um, since 
some who will listen may have an ear bent toward some, you know, theological um, influence. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did maybe rereading um, Bart or what was it about maybe returning to visit some of those things that you had the occasion and time to do? How was retreating there valuable? I mean, how was what, what were the things that kind of drew you away from, say, a Cormac McCarthy novel while all that's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, oh gosh, Cormac McCarthy's not very funny. Not at all, man. <laughs> not at all. Pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty unhumorous. Yeah, pretty. So I. Something about contemplating my own death and reading Blood Meridian. Just uh, right. Like, yeah, I just didn't want to. <laughs> um, that was my attempt at like humor. I'm not really good at it. <laughs> no, I, for, I, so there's like two things. So for Bart, um, what I think is important is, especially for a Methodist, um, is Bart's insistence that only God can reveal God. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is, you know, so scripture is not the word of God until the risen Christ makes it so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes when we read scripture in church, it is the word of God and other times it's not. And I think everyone's lived experience knows that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also means that um, the Eucharist is not a magical means of grace that presto changeo every time we say the words of remembrance uh, or institution, rather, that it becomes Christ's body and blood. Like, the, Jesus mm-hmm. has to choose to do that. Um, and sometimes, our, you know, it's like Emmaus, like he disappears, um, right. and he's got to decide to come back. Um, and so, for me, that wisdom of Bart, that ours is a world that's both imbued with God, but frequently um, has no discernible presence of God in it. Um, I think that spoke true to my experience, mm-hmm. um, feeling very lonely and forsaken at points. Um, so I appreciated that part of Bart. And then um, the other thing I noticed for the first time that was missing in Bart, that is missing in Bart, um, is, you know, for the first time in my life, I was thrust in the position of having to appreciate church people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I no longer had to referee their behavior or their lack of, you know, discipleship or whatever. And I was on the receiving end of their faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and it made, and so, and so like on the one hand, it, it showed me that Christians don't really have an explanation for suffering. What Christians have is a community of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and realizing that to the extent that I did, I realized that Bart really doesn't have any place in his theology um, that is sufficient for the kind of community that cared for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, that he, and, and part of that's a function of the dogmatics, you know. Sure. He, he waited until the end to get to his ecclesiology and then he died. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really in any of the other volumes either that, and part of that's probably because, you know, he had a state national Swiss right. church in his head, but, right. um, 
but it made me appreciate the church. I mean, it's just weird to think that I'm a minister and it was the first time in my life that I'd appreciated the church. Um, but I, I, I didn't grow up in the church, so, I mean, it really was right. the first time I'd appreciated the church. So. Well, I mean, you know, you mentioned it, and, and I know some people might bristle at hearing it, especially if they're church folks, that, you know, the, the thought of I experienced the church as that particular kind of caring community when most of the time our roles really keep that experience at arm's distance because we are helping to negotiate something mm-hmm. gently in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. And and while it sometimes might include two or three people in a given circumstance, generally it's negotiating uh, with an individual mm-hmm. and actually trying to help them see what we hope the church is, but don't necessarily have that as our own experience until such a time as we actually need that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, the dedication in the book. I mean, I, I you know, one of the dedications is to my church and really the dedication is that uh i mean i was just so chastened in my cynicism by the fact that no one in my church sent me a stupid car that said you know make lemons out of lemons make lemonade out of lemons or you know you know there's a reason this is happening like nobody gave me some stupid you know all things work together for good like hallmark romans card um and, and that showed me that, like, theologically, my congregation was a lot more sensitive and sophisticated than I had ever given them credit for. Yeah. Well, I I think that you write about a relationship that then, in a sense, became manifest in the congregation. And when you talk about Ali. And mm-hmm. and the line that I've I've now stolen, <laughs> and I use repeatedly. Um, I actually mentioned to Steve earlier um, that I, I was paying attention to his chapter where he talked about the role his wife played, and then reading your, you know, description. Um, I thought, well, you know, there is there is one God showing up, and then two that is kind of the if you can call it a, I don't know, a, 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 a micro illustration of what you hope the church becomes. You, you want the church to show up in the same way that your wife showed up, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, I think that if you can work that, you know, if, if the church works that outward um, in, and, and may not be its, you know, its chief goal, but if at least a byproduct of its role is to show up for the world, Mm-hmm. who's um, deeply um, affected by itself and other forces, that the church tends to to want to always castigate the world and not show up for the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I mean, one of the things I learned, too, I think is, um, I don't know how to put this in a way that doesn't sound offensive. I, I think... In the mainline church, especially, we're so enamored with social justice ministries mm-hmm. to which the church can seem ancillary mm-hmm. at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's a, a whole host of ways that you can help other people without having anything to do with the church or Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, we live in a culture in which we 
push the ill and the elderly in particular to the invisible, you know, sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think one of the strongest witnesses, the church, and I know this sounds self-serving now, but <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> like, um, but I, I think it's a profound witness that the church can have for how we care for one another um, in, in our suffering. Um, because that's not something that culturally we, we know how to do. Um, and that includes, I think, how we care for the dead. Mm. Uh, I think it's a continuum. Um, I mean, it's made me the whole, uh, see, I'm not being very funny. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's the trouble with the title of this book. It's just like, Oh gosh. Um, it's just so funny. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, I was just talking about death. Um, but it's made me a lot more conscious of, uh, spelling out for people because we I've done a ton of baptisms since I came back to work mm-hmm. uh, and 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 I know how Christians do it is different in each context but sure. you know we baptize babies mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. Um, and most often the congregation kind of monotones their part of the liturgy um, but since I've come back you know I've been a lot more deliberate about spelling out exactly you know what it is you're promising this kid yeah um and i don't say it because it sounds too indulgent but you know it's some of these kids are going to end up with something like what i've had yeah um and you're gonna have to i mean we're baptizing them into christ's death and part of that means is that like they're going to die Mm -hmm. um and you're promising to show up for them and to help them stay faithful through that experience yeah I mean, and now we're full circle. I mean, in the sense of that is an argument for the existence of God. Mm. I mean, if if those are the spaces and places that where we know that people listen to Louis C.K. and long for something, um, mm. then if it gets you know lived out in in some sense or way, then you know it's both showing up for and mm-hmm. and it's showing up with. Yeah. And um and then then all arguments then um kind of settle there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I know people would think that's overly simplistic, you know, my skeptic friends and people who have left the building and all of that will, you know, would certainly have something to say, but in the end I think they have to know that when I get a call from my friend who has had that experience and um he calls to tell me about a crisis or an event. I have no doubt he's probably talked to others, but there's a reason why he contacted me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to wager most of your skeptic friends are intellectually lazy. So uh, you, you won't get any disagreement out of me. <laughs> <laughs> they may be offended by the podcast <laughs> and that we agreed about that, but you, you you won't get it. You won't get any any disagreement about me. So, um, uh, in in in. Uh, Despite the battle you've had with the title and, and maybe some initial kind of uh, reactions, um, what what you have an aim for writing the book and, and writing your story and um, what how could a pastor or someone who's interested in the care of others? 
how how would you think they could utilize what you are doing in the book in a way that that maybe could encourage uh, showing up? Oh gosh! Besides just saying, go buy the book and read it, and give me a five yes. star rating, and give me a great review on Amazon. And I mean, Jeffrey Pugh and I are going to try to pump this thing up to the number one in the list. We've already kind of conferred on that, but you know, nonetheless, uh, um, I, I, I think. Uh, I mean, what I experienced was that the giving. Uh, so people respond to the news that you have cancer with. Um, they bring you casseroles. Um, the casseroles always freaking have broccoli, like par cooked broccoli on top, um, as a way of excusing, you know, the five pounds of cheese and butter that's in them. It's, but they all have broccoli in them. I don't know what that's about. Um, so, so the people bring you food, um, which I think is a very Jewish thing, I guess. Um, so they bring you food, they bring you books about cancer. Um, and then there's a whole other group of people who just kind of come up to you and, and look at you as though you already have a body bag that's zipped up to like your chin and they're just, you know, sobbing and want to hug you and, and things like that. Um, and so, so for, for part of it, I think, you know, I mean, I started writing not with like the idea of a book, mm-hmm. uh, in mind. I just, I started writing just as a way of helping me process, um, because I don't know how to think, in a way that isn't writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so part of it was just for me to do it and for me to be aware that how I do this uh, was a model for other people um, because I was confronted with a whole host of people, particularly men uh, who had unresolved grief mm-hmm. uh, about, about cancer touching someone in their life. Um, wow. And so I wanted, so I wanted to be able to model how do I, how do I share my own grief? How, how do I show people how to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess my hope with the book is just that like the giving of it creates permission for the right kind of conversations. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, I, and it's, I, I, I like to think of it as a work of theology in that I think all good theology is occasional mm-hmm. and provoked, provoked by something in our experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I, I think, I don't know, I mean, it's not perfect, but I think it, it shows people how to use the language of the faith uh, for things that matter. Yeah. Um, and, and to do so, you know, in ways that are funny, because that's, that's a genuine part of how we, you know, experience life. Yeah, and it's uh, part of who you are. So yeah. You can't, I mean, yeah. You can't ignore I that. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't be near as funny writing something like this. My wife would tell me so. She would tell me. She, I mean, I try something on a Sunday morning, and she just says, "Quit it. You're not funny." <laughs> you know. So that's. So uh, I have to work pretty hard at it. It's not that I don't laugh. I enjoy laughing. I. I just. I. I guess I miss that genetic um, code. You well, know, for I mean, pulling that off. It's, it's the topic for another book, but I'm sure. I haven't seen a counselor in years, but I'm sure I'm sure that part of my use of humor and my adeptness to whatever extent I'm adept at it is because I grew up in a, in a, in a not 
always happy childhood mm-hmm. that had addiction, mm-hmm. you know, at the center. And, you know, I mean, you know, family system series sure. and all. I mean, sure. So it's, you know, so sure. humor can become a way that you keep the peace yeah. Yeah. while you're stepping over eggshells. And I'm sure that, it, you know, if I were analyzing someone like me, what I would say is that in large measure, you know, I was trying to be funny as a way of uh, helping the people in my congregation who were hurt by this. Yeah. You know, like, so yeah. in the same way, like, oh, no, 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 yeah. don't be upset, as you know, that I did as a child. Right. Um, to keep the peace. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm so I'm using humor to assuage their grief. Um, so I'm uh, I'm still the parentified child I was, I guess. Yeah. 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 Maybe I, I think we have to look at it layered anyway. Um, I, I, you know, I, uh, you know, are you telling me I'm wrong? Um, sure. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I really do. I, I, th- I think that, um, th- that some of us grew up with such a flat reading of everything mm. that to discover that there just might be more to it always leaves you looking to go, okay, well, Right. Um, I can't say that that's not anything about you or about maybe what prompts that part of you, but it it tends to work out its effect in um, in layered ways. Um, mm. I I uh, I told you before. I think I, you know I, I'm finishing up um, one of the chapters. It's late. My wife's got to get and go to work. I do too, but I you know. I'm not a dental assistant, so I don't have to worry about getting anybody's mouth, you know, and being alert and awake. And and I say, you got to listen to this, you know. And and I and I read this whole section, and you know, we're both about bawling, you know. And it's so it's it, it has it has that that effect. It 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 has you know that um, thing that's going on that nobody's sitting here going. I wonder what psychosis that guy has. He's so sarcastic about these things. And I mean, I, who would have ever laughed at this stuff, you know? Instead, it's like, no, no, this is actually really resonant. Um, maybe maybe it's actually hitting us at particular levels we've been unaware of. You know, maybe mm. it is that is that thing that, that says, how come I, you know, how come I never really grieve this thing or this event? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and maybe it's actually stirring also in that really visceral sort of way that is, is um, just a lot more going on. And, and then, you know, to borrow um, what, what you said earlier about, um, you know, God revealing God's self, um, you, you just have to also think that in, in the hands of the Spirit, then that there might be something there that's being rooted out of your own kind of experience of life as you kind of come alongside and read those those bits and those stories so yeah yeah i, th- yeah. I think there's more to it than so i'm not going to let you get away with just like <laughs> self-analyzation you know you you just got to get on the couch man you just you can't you, you can't you can't go that route well it's definitely i mean the unspoken title is you know my cancer is funny yeah and like so i, I sure I, I wouldn't want to impose that on anyone else right. it's just laughing at things is how i process is how I process, you know, and and you do it well, and I and I don't. I hope nobody listens to this and you know gets bummed out and, and thinks, gosh, I couldn't do this because I, I think that in the end, um, while the the central 
piece is certainly your grappling with stage serious cancer. You know, there are plenty of people who wouldn't want to be disingenuous and say, well, you know, well, what I'm going through is just as bad, but there are things that they feel as bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, Father Rohr uh, talks about uh, some, uh, some people are, are wired such that every experience is a full body blow. So when I, you know, read the chapter where you're describing thinking that you just had a tummy ache and then, mm-hmm. you know, you open that up and, and to all that it becomes, um, some people, you, you know, whatever the encounter is, um, life is, is such that everything is, is at that level. And mm-hmm. this, I think, would be helpful. I, I, because sometimes the problem with that is is the the lack of recognition and and owning that that's you know I I really kind of need to kind of think about how that how that gets worked out in my own life so I uh, I yeah I, that that it's that it's still you know what uh, let's see it's six so twenty five days away twenty six days away I'm I'm just ticked why is it not going to be out tomorrow you know the book. <laughs> yeah I mean I and I have I have the PDF that you know sitting here scrolling you know but. But um, there, there are the people I have in mind uh, that I would like to read the book um, mm. because having walked with them through some of life's difficulties, I think it will be a means of grace for mm. um, uh, you know, feeling like that they don't know where the hooks and handles are um, for exercising their own grief and, and whatnot. Yeah, it's... I, I don't know. Something <laughs> you, you're talking about the full body blow. Like for me, like the most annoying thing since I came back to work is, um, so, <laughs> every, so everyone now treats me as though I, you know, I am, I've gone through the crucible of suffering that, that no one else in the world has ever. Um, so I'm almost like a talesman, you know, <laughs> And, and people like it's just oh it happens every day so everyone everyone prefaces every pastoral piece of news they have to pass on to me um, well it's nothing like what you went through oh goodness. you know so I remember like the first couple of weeks I came back to work I was over at someone's house visiting them because you know they had a death in the family but the woman I'm talking to and she's only in her fifties yeah I mean she's dying that's very young by the you way know? she's dying you know like her 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 internal organs are failing and she's slowly dying. Um, and she keeps wanting to preface everything she says with, well, it's, it's nothing like what you went through. And I was just like, Holy shit, you're dying. Like (laughs) just be upset about it. Right. Right. It's not a competition. Yeah. I, you know, there, there are a lot of things I regret that I don't remember from seminary. Um, and, and there are a number of things I'm, I'm glad I, I haven't forgotten, but I had this um, Christian ministry uh, class, and um, uh, uh, Dean Dickens, uh, no Doug Dickens. Um, they were twins, and, and and Doug taught this class, and and he said the worst possible thing you can do out there is to say it, to say something that minimizes someone's own feeling of of their 
frailty and their mm-hmm. humanity. The worst possible thing is to cauterize the sense that they 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 feel something. And I yep. I'm afraid that 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 we do have to counter that no matter what we ourselves have endured, just like you're describing, and say, wait a minute, that's yours. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, and I think you're not you know wise to to alert people that this is my my cancer is funny story. I'm not going to impose you know, that yours is funny, but, but, um, I want you to feel what you have in the midst of this. And that's pastoral. So I don't know if you're aiming for that as a pastor to be pastoral, but you know, you're hitting it there. Well, I, I, I know that, um, certainly not everyone is funny. Uh, um, but everyone finds things funny and I've been, I've been in enough deathbeds and I've been at enough horrific deaths Mm -hmm. and I've, and I've buried enough people to know that, you know, that, that transition from just, you know, rib cracking, sobbing to belly laugh can happen in a hair's breadth. That's right. Uh, And, and, and most often does in each of those situations. Um, and so like, I I don't want to impose funny on anyone else, but, I would, I'd bet the house that in anyone's experience of suffering, there is funny in it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm wondering, are you at liberty to talk about any kind of future writing possibilities? Are you going to write some more? Or are you going to? I mean, um, I know we got to get this one sold and up the charts. So, anybody <laughs> listening, pre-order the book. You can go to Amazon. As quick as it drops, whether you've read it or not, five-star review, just take my word for it, it's awesome, and and put it on there so we can get this thing sold. So maybe it'll encourage Jason to write some more. Please do. Um, so, yeah, so I've, um, so yeah, my publisher has asked me to do two more books. Good. Um, and so, so I'll be doing that, same sort of, um, what was pitched to me is, you know, you know, to do, do some thematic theological Christian Dave Barry type, Hmm. um, you know, so, so they, yes. So writing in the vein of Christian humorists, that's what they want. Yeah. Hey, as always, I want to thank you for listening. Hope that was uh, helpful, inspiring. Uh, hope you recognized the, uh, courage, at least as I understand it, to open up yourself to thinking through, uh, the issues that that were discussed uh, more than anything, I really hope you'll go out and pre-order the book. And then, if you're like me, it won't take you long to read it. It will draw you in. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll beg for more. So, um, do us that do us that favor. Uh, maybe uh, after you read it, leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Send me an email. I'd love to get your take on uh, Jason's book. And uh, that that really concludes uh, this podcast. And as always, I want to thank you for listening. And remember, this is Todd Littleton with Pathological, the podcast for the pastor theologian. You can find us at toddlittleton.net, pathological.com, or pathological.net. If you have an idea for the podcast, someone to interview, subject, theme, topic, uh, shoot me an email at uh, todd at gmail.com. And we'll do what we can to get the guests you're looking for or the topic covered that interests you as you think through what it means to be a pastor or theologian where you are. 
Thanks again for listening. Peace.